Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties. I almost forgot what the word for properties was. <laughs> Anyways, we take those and we reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner and I use they, them pronouns. So Tanner, what are we doing this week? Today, on this week, this week and this day, we <laughs> are going to be doing a reboot of the smash hit manga and anime series Zatchabell, or Kanjiki no Gashbell in Japan. Okay, cool. I vaguely remember watching it when it was on YTV. Oh yeah, I... So, it came out around 2005, was the English dub. Um, actually, maybe that was around the time I started watching it, but I feel like I started watching it later than it actually came out, because it was like 1am reruns on YTV. <laughs> yeah. And I also started partway through, so like the second half of the series was really like the middle of it, because only two-thirds of it were actually dubbed over when they came okay. over to the States. But I got extremely emotionally invested in it. Yeah. And then I haven't seen it for a long time, but I did find the full English series. And oh boy, the full English series is fun because it was around that time where they had to make sure there was like no specific kinds of violence or imagery in anime. So there's an episode where a guy tries to rob a bank, but the gun is just changed to this pile of circles. Oh. Like he's he's got a, a, a machine gun, but they just drew over it with orbs and so it looks like some kind of rifle made out of bubbles. Okay, then. Which, uh, yeah, <laughs> draws more attention to it. You could, ye. Yeah. I mean, at least in One Piece, when the dub got rid of guns, they changed it to something that looks like a weapon. That is true. Even if it was like a spring-loaded hammer. <laughs> and turning cigarettes into lollipops. See, that one I can kind of vibe with because it lends a certain uh, mystique to those quote-unquote cool characters. Yeah. And also Sanji's a chef. Yeah, smoking seems to be a real big thing with the chef world for a bit. Probably still is. What if you had a lollipop but it had a cigarette, um, like the stick was a cigarette. <laughs> so once you finish sucking the lollipop, then you can smoke the stick. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lennon is going to be fucking gross by the end. Yeah, probably. Smoking in general gross, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, how are we rebooting Zatch Bell? Uh, Zatch Bell is going to be live action. Cute. Cool. But let me let me give some information. Okay. Because apparently Zatch Bell is not as widely known as I thought it was. Um, when <laughs> I casually brought it up in a group chat when we were playing our Power Rangers role play, uh, Vigil declared it to be a like niche take or something. Uh, a deep pull, I think was what they said. Huh. So, the story of Zatch Bell goeth thusly. Every 1,000 years, a bunch of demon children get to come to Earth and compete to see who's going to be king of the demons. Uh, but they can only battle it out if they find a human who's able to read the spellbook that they arrive with. And without reading the spells in the spellbook, then the demon children can't do any of their cool, fun powers. So they have to find their partner human who's chosen by destiny or something, and I'm not certain. Uh, and then they basically becomes a tournament arc for the whole series, except it gets very large because there's like hundreds of them. Oh, there is exactly 100. 100 demon children. Uh, they're Momono in the original Japanese, but the English release changed it to Mamodo. I'm not sure why. Mamono works fine. Okay. 
Though I'll probably, I'm more used to them being called yeah. Momodo because I watch the English dub, so I'm probably going to slip into that. Okay. But so there's the first thing is that there's no reason to change it to Momodo in a remake, so we're not going to worry about that. Yeah. Anyways, I said demon children. These are children. These are infant baby toddlers. Okay. The main character, or the main Momono at least, uh, Zatch, he's, looks like he's five. Yeah. Looks like he's also wearing a dinner cloth, basically. Yeah, he does look like he's wearing a tablecloth. Actually, really, it looks like he's wearing a skirt that would be like knee length on a human, but because he's a child, it just covers his whole body. Okay. Uh, and... I'm pretty sure he's naked under there because in the early episodes, he loves to just tear that off and run rampant. Oh, children. And oh, Japan. I mean, it's mostly oh, children. I mean, at by the t age of five, they figured out that you should wear clothes. But I think up until three, it's just, ah, that they feel an urge to just terrorize their parents by way of streaking. Yep. <laughs> like there's a lot of baby pictures of me running around buck ass naked and see at first it's just because like he, babies aren't people yet they don't they don't understand how anything works but at a certain point they realize oh people are gonna laugh if i start streaking so then they just start doing that yeah but yeah so zatch comes to earth uh by way of albatross i think that's how it went Okay. So the series starts with uh, the main human character, Kiyo. Kiyomaro Takahime. No, Takamine. Yeah, I can read. <laughs> Kiyomaro Takamine, English dub Kiyo. Uh, he's brilliant, but he's also extremely arrogant and antisocial, who basically, he doesn't have any friends because he thinks he's better than them. Okay. Uh, and he's doing his schoolwork, and then this naked child crashes into his room while riding an albatross and with raw fish in his mouth... Hands Kyo oh. a letter from his dad. Okay. Says, hello, son. I found this strange naked boy, and I decided to send him to you via bird. Yay, because maybe thanks, you can read dad. the book that he came with. <laughs> thanks, dad. Oh, no, he was riding an eagle, not an albatross. Okay. Anyways, uh, eventually, Kyo finds out that he's the only person who can read the book that Zatch came with. When he reads the spell that's there, uh, Zatch unhinges his jaw and shoots bolts of lightning. <laughs> Yay! Oh yeah, didn't they have, like, weird puppet faces? Yeah, a lot of them have, like, they're not explicitly puppets, but a lot of the Momono have, like, lines going down from the edges yeah, of their mouth, like, so it looks like they're ventriloquist dummies. Or, like, marionettes, nutcrackers, that sort of stuff. Yeah, one of the other, uh, eventually one of the main characters, Kido, his power is, like, machines and lasers and he looks even more explicitly like a puppet because his like mouth instead of like moving like a normal mouth it does do the kind of clack 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 of a nutcracker <laughs> and also yeah when they use his first spell it's like it unhinges and a straight up cannon emerges from it and fires lasers okay he was one of my favorite characters and his human partner was fun too because his human partner was professor riddles <laughs> Is a mysterious old man who <laughs> basically likes messing with everyone, like telling really bad riddles, and then creating conspiracy theories, and then immediately shouting "kidding" when everyone believes him immediately. <laughs> um, his dark backstory is that he was a doctor, and then he failed to save a child in the operating room, and just completely shut off from society until Keto showed up. Okay. And then in one of the later arcs, Keto dies. 
Oh. Well, he doesn't die, but like, okay. So, the last important part of the Demon King tournament in Zatch Bell is that if you take too much damage, your book burns, and if your book is burned, then you are returned to the demon world, and you're kicked out of the competition. Huh. So yeah, so when they're fighting with other Momono, the battles either involve just brute force battling each other until someone takes enough damage that their book bursts into flames, or finding ways to bypass them and just burn the book directly, often with a giant matchstick huh. that one of the later main characters can create. Okay. So, yeah, we've got a lot of characters. Oh, yeah. So one of the characters, for a very long time, he's referred to as Ponygon. Okay. Because he's like a cartoon horse. Oh. And all he can say is, Merume! 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 <laughs> so not only can no one read his book, but also no one can understand this horse. He can't even tell them his real name. And it's not until like halfway through the series that they actually find his human partner who can read the book, and that he's actually able to do things in battle. Okay. And yeah, you were, you were muttering how he's comic relief, and he only has transformation. But the transformation stuff is pretty sweet, too. Cool. Because it covers him in flaming armor. He just tackles people. It's great. And then reading the summary on Wikipedia jogged my memory about probably my favorite pair, which was the um, blonde chick with the gravity guy. Yes. Um, gosh, what were their names again? I think it was Sherry and Brago. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sherry Belmont. Yep. <laughs> We're going Castlevania, so <laughs> the the main cast, so we have Keo and Zatch are the main duo, and then we have Tio or Tia, depending on whether you're subs or dubs. Okay. Um, and her human partner, Megumi. Megumi is a pop idol, and then her partner, Tia, has heal, healing and shielding powers, so she's basically a white mage. Yeah. So, the, and also, see... Normally, they would be the love interests, but I've never really felt, from what I saw, they never really had that kind of vibe, either with Tia and Zatch or with Megumi and Kyo. They were very much just friends. Well, I think, like, yeah, this is a shonen series, but I think they were aiming for the lower end of the shonen demographic. Who might still... According to TV Tropes, uh, there was a lot more ship tees with Kyo and Megumi in the anime. Okay. And so, I never read the manga. So again, anime is my only exposure. But I don't remember any of that stuff. Maybe it's just because uh, straight stuff, a lot of it went over my head as a child. Yeah. and I say child. I was probably like 14. I should have known. <laughs> Might have been a dub thing. Could have, as I said, maybe the producers were going for a slightly younger demographic within the shonen demographic. Because shonen's supposed to cover like 10 to late teens. Yeah. And, like, when you're a preteen, I guess, girls, the default has always been straight, so a boy who is supposedly going to be attracted to girls, but he is still 10. He's, and in our culture, at least, that's still the point where boys are like, ew, girls have cooties. Yeah. And that does come up here, because there's another Momono who she has a huge crush on Zatch, ah. and Zatch is constantly brushing her off. He's oblivious at best. Yeah, and, like, most of those Monono seem to be, like, little kids. Yeah, a majority of them are children, or at least they look like children, though the way they act is pretty clear that they're a lot more mature. 
like Brago, Sherry's partner, he well, first of all, he looks like a ten year old cosplaying Ryuk. Yeah. From Death Note. But his behavior kind of codes him as being older. He's a deeper voice, he's a lot more serious. Yeah. Um, and then there are also some that are like more clearly teens in a, both appearance and demeanor. Yeah. And there are some that are just straight up monsters. Neat. Like there's one who he's like a Medusa centaur. That sounds cool. Yes. And one's a V. A B? A V. A V. The letter V. The letter V. Yes. <laughs> this anime is brought to you by the letter V. <laughs> I'll have a V, Vanna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was in one of the the second major arc. His name was Victorine. <laughs> yeah. A melon-obsessed demon whose head looks like the letter V. Appears for only a short time, but remains one of the most popular characters of the series. He has a, his own song. Is there a thing about... Is there, like, a stereotype in Japan about melons? I don't know. I mean... Like, I get the feeling that they got... Melons and tuna, it's supposed to mean something to a Japanese audience, and for us, it's just like... It's probably a pun. Yeah, some sort of pun. They like their puns. They love their puns. Yeah. Um, There is also the duck child. Who was the duck child? Yeah, the duck child was weird. Yeah, Kanchome. Basically, he looks like a redheaded child in a onesie with a duck bill. Okay. He has the power of illusions. Woo! And then his human partner was Parco Fulgore, who is an Italian pop sensation. How does Kyo end up befriending two completely different pop idols? Okay. Uh, yeah, Fulgore and Conchome serve as the comic relief. Uh, m- my biggest memory of a lot of this is... People angstily declaring, Fulgore! Kanchome! Because there are quite a few fights, if I recall, where they're like, we're going to sacrifice ourselves because our powers aren't as powerful as your guys. And they're all like, no! <laughs> and yeah, Sherry and Brago, they're fun. Sherry is an 18-year-old heiress from France, and Brago is her partner. He's the like more mature, dark, spooky Momono that has gravity powers we mentioned earlier. So, um, 14-year-old Lindsay was very much into this. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm casting you in the reboot. <laughs> um, other major people, there was Apollo and Ropes. And Ropes was a major character because he was one of the first, like, friend Momonos to be banished back to the demon world. Oh, no. And so Apollo has to... He serves as, like, a support for the rest of the series. And he... Is just kind of waiting for everything to end and supporting them in their struggles and missing ropes for most of the series. No. And then there's also Wan Rei and Lien, who Wan Rei has the power of martial arts and he's explicitly a teenager and looks like a teenager and acts like a teenager and falls in love with his partner Lien, who's also a teenager. Okay, that's good. So they're like the major romance of the thing. Cool. Like, there's several other characters that recur quite a while. Um, but one of the other major ones is Penny, who is uh, Zatch's self-proclaimed lover. Oh. And so she has an interesting dynamic with her partner because uh, her partner Ururu, or Uri, in the dub, is a poor man. And so Penny helps him take care of his hungry family in exchange for him helping her track down Zatch. Oh. And... She's also, like, very spoiled, very prissy, 
and she goes through a lot of development in the ancient demon arc, which was like the the middle arc essentially. Okay. And then the other major demon and partner, the villain, the big bads essentially, are Zophis and Coco. Uh, Zophis is a Momono who can brainwash people, and so Zophis just brainwashes his partner Coco into like serving him and causing all sorts of chaos. Okay. Uh, he's the main antagonist for the first arc and seeks to awaken the ancient demons in the second arc. So the second arc, I don't know if it was the second arc, but it's like, this is the one that I watched the most of. The backstory was that in the previous uh, battle to be the king of Momono, one of them, who like the aforementioned Medusa centaur, he had the power to trap demons in stone tablets. And so their books weren't burned, but the demons were still trapped and it counted as a loss. And so now there's a whole bunch of sealed demons, like, hidden across the world. And when this arc starts, Zophis is able to start mind-controlling people who can read their abandoned books and then uses his power to unseal them. And all of a sudden, now we have an extra 100 Momono who are all either evil or brainwashed and are now trying to take over the world on behalf of Zophis. Huh. Also, Zophis looks like Wuya from Shaolin Showdown. Oh, interesting. And and sounds like her too. So that's why everyone's really confused by the fact that that's a dude. Huh. Now it makes me think of Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. And I'm like, was Frieza ever voiced by a dude? Uh, voiced by Pauline Newstone in the Ocean dub and Linda Young in the original dub. But then Chris Ayers in Cayenne Super. Huh. So anyway, I was also reading the villains list for Zatch Bell, and apparently there's a Zenu Bell. Zeno Bell. Zeno? Yeah, that's like Zatch's brother, his long-lost brother. Huh. And he never got adapted into the, or never got dubbed onto the American side, so... Okay. So I don't know much about him. Ah. So anyway, how are we going to adapt this? So, I mentioned last week. Okay. I mentioned it again today. Puppets. Puppets. Yes. This is a live-action adaptation of Zatch Bell, but the majority... Actually, no, all the Momono are going to be puppets or creatures created by Jim Henson. Oh my god, we're doing Muppets! Okay, not properly Muppets, but like... They're not quite Muppets. They're very... They're gonna be very Muppet-adjacent. Like, with a lot of them, I don't want them to be realistic. Yeah. But then some of them, like... Uh, Juan Ray, because he's a teen and because he falls in love with a human, I would want him to be something more in terms of what you'd see on a Dark Crystal or a Farscape. Okay. Part of the reason I'm doing this is because everyone's got Dark Crystal hype going on right now. Yeah. And like, puppets are cool. Puppets are very cool. Also, it just helps with some of the age stuff, like... You don't want to hire a child and tell them, like, you have to do all this stuff and all this, like, emotional angst. Yeah. It's going to be tough on the kid. And also shoot lightning. Also just the amusement of having this puppet shooting lightning. (laughs) Yeah, like, I could see Zatch being very Muppet-like. Like, Like, you could easily put him onto uh, Sesame Street. But then shoot lightning. (laughs) Just having the open mouth like how Muppets do. Like, just... Look straight into the camera, going like, ah! They, like, he'd, he and Zatch and a lot of the other Ramona would probably do the Elmo, yay! Yeah. Arm flailing. 
I can definitely see Tia doing the Kermit grimace, like, <laughs> the face all squishes. Well, there's gotta be one of them that kind of sounds like Beaker doing the whole me, 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 me. Well, that would be Ponygon. Okay, Ponygon does the me. Merume, merume, merume. <laughs> and you can totally understand him too. Well, no, he, well, we can't though. That's, oh, yeah. That's no one can, cool. not even his human partner. When we meet his human partner, he can read the book, but he can't understand anything that Ponygon says. Okay. Uh, so yeah, puppets. Also, puppets are a little bit easier to handle than anything involving CGI. So, yeah. And just practical effects. I, I want more practical effects on television. Yeah, just in general. It also, so with the thing with puppets, and the th- and things with the Momono, actually. So even though Zatch and Kyo start kind of extremely at odds at the beginning of the series, they very quickly become close friends, and a lot of Momono became close friends with their human partners. Yeah. Which means the fact that at the end, all of them but one will be sent, like, traumatically sent back to the demon world, and even the winner has to be sent back to the demon world at the end of the tournament, makes it very sad. God damn it, Tanner! And there are some Momono that are, like, maybe not necessarily evil, but they're definitely jerks, and they meet humans, and the humans are like, hey, what if we use your powers to rob banks? And the Momono are like, this sounds great! Great! So then we have Momono who are actively trying to, like, destroy the main character's books and separate them. This is what happens to several characters over the course of the show, and they're relegated to support positions. Oh no. So this is gonna be kind of a rough series. It's gonna be a little, I mean, there's a lot of comedy stuff in it, but there's gonna be rough parts. And you know what really endears a human to a character? When the character's a Muppet. Yeah! And then applying the old fanfic trope of make them suffer. Yes. <laughs> Just milk that emotion from your audience. <laughs> also, again, really fun visuals of, like, the other things, such as Kido using his powers. Imagine a Muppet. And it's like, you're like, hi, Muppet. And the Muppet just opens his mouth and a gun comes out. <laughs> Um, I distinctly remember that Zatch really liked yellowfin tuna. Yes. And would just swallow the tuna whole. Which is something that you can't do with a human child. No. But you can do it with a puppet. Yeah. Even though tuna get fucking huge. (laughs) Again, unhinge the jaw. (laughs) There would have to be CGI for some stuff like the powers, uh, especially one of Zatch's powers is that he can summon a dragon made of lightning. Cool. I think part of that is, like, his dad had the power of dragons. Okay. Which is just... A lot of these are, like, keyword abilities. It's like, you give, you get the thing, and you can do pretty much anything related to that thing, as long as you've unlocked that spell. Okay. And Zatch's dad was like, I have dragon. And now you also have dragon. Cool. Also, it's a very shown anything in that they level up essentially over the course of the series like all the books start out with only one spell and then once the characters have progressed enough or like are skilled enough then the next spells appear okay and it's not like it's not completely one note you can do a multitude of things like zatch explicitly has his thunder spells but he also has like magnetism spells and defensive shielding spells okay so they actually thought like about spells that are related to the general element that they're using, so... Yeah, Penny has all sorts of water abilities, but that includes, like, shooting water, or controlling water, making a tidal wave, making it rain, forming claws on her hands made out of water and ice. Okay. 
I think Tia actually is the most versatile because she has shielding and healing stuff. Cool. But yeah, so this is live action. We are going to aim for a majority Japanese cast, obviously, yeah. but we'll also be adjusting some stuff so that it's not just pale people all over. Yeah. Japanese people, Ch- Chinese for Wan Rei and Lien, variety of like body types and heritages and mm-hmm. characters like Fulgore is Italian, so he's probably white, but doesn't necessarily have to be. Although, I think if we had a non-white Italian person, it'd lean way too hard into funny foreigner territory, so maybe he should just stay white. Yeah, wacky Italian funny guy, and then Sherry is supposed to be French and sophisticated, and why do they always put them in long dresses? I guess that's a whole princess trope. Yeah. We could do just about anything. She could definitely have dresses in her backstory, and then she like changes to a more activewear style when she starts having to trek the world, searching for her lost best friend. That's the other thing I forgot to mention. It's Big Bad Zophis, who's mind-controlling his human partner, Coco. Coco is Sherry's best friend. Ah. And Zophis used Sherry to destroy, or Zophis used Coco to destroy Sherry's home. So, idea for Sherry's outfit, like the more athletic wear stuff. Um, I was listening to a podcast called History Checks, and um, it's two women who cover various women throughout history. And they were recently talking about Audrey Hepburn, and one of her most iconic outfits was her beatneck outfit from Funny Face, which is like a black turtleneck, black capris, black flats. That's Sherry's outfit. It's très franche. Yes. Good. Yeah. I like it. Um, let's see. What other fun puppet stuff? Yeah, so if you're endeared to puppet, and then the puppet, like, disappears... Yeah, that's gonna be heartbreaking! Exactly. (laughs) Just hear all sorts of souls shatter across the world as they watch all these poor puppets disappear into, I don't know, sparkles. Yeah. (laughs) Or just belts of fire. No, not that harsh. Aikido... His book was in the middle of being burned, where he unlocked his, like, ultimate spell and shot a giant cannon, and the force was hard enough to, like, completely roast him just before he disappeared. That's fucking dark. I love it. I mean, I don't love that specifically, but I love the emotions that come out of this funny child anime. Yeah, like... If I, like, I remember it as being like, yeah, for a slightly younger, you know, shonen crowd, not my demographic. This would definitely be a teen show. If it's not on Netflix, then it's going to be on, like, Freeform. Yeah. Will it be globetrotting? Yeah, there is going to be some globetrotting stuff. I think they had to go to some, I think it was South America, but it was some kind of jungle area for the... Uh, ancient demons arc because that's where like they were all sealed okay and again like that's a way that we can bring some more diversity into this and i just like a walking the globe arc anyways in fact one of the apollo was explicitly a globe trotter until he met ropes cool you know who brago also reminds me of who brandon lee's crow yeah he does have some crow vibes to him yeah helps that he's got I'm not too sure what the material is supposed to be, but it makes me think of feathers. So, yeah. Yeah, I I would really like this to be something that was adapted into live action and or just re- had a resurgence in America because it's a very good shonen thing. It's honestly on the level of My Hero Academia for just pure shonen protagonist power. Yeah. I didn't really have a problem with it. I think the problem was YTV's um, anime block kind of 
disappeared. Yeah, it just kept getting later and later. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'm in seventh grade. I can't stay up to 3 a.m. Yeah. By that time, Full Metal Alchemist, like the first version, had wrapped up. And the whole bunch of licenses, I think, I sort of went poof. Yeah. And Bleach was faltering. I think Inuyasha was as well. Either that or, again, license. I think it was almost done. And then they ran out of manga material. I don't know enough about Inuyasha to say anything about Inuyasha. Okay, so even while it was being aired in North America, it was still technically ongoing. And apparently the mm-hmm. uh, the company ran out of manga material. And it was going to be a while before Rumiko Takahashi could make something and they're just like you know what we're gonna stop right here and then we're gonna animate a movie ending in the future and they did but like there was a lot of what it just ended and like they got to a point where they could have legitimately have either done like one extra season of the anime on their own like how full metal alchemist just came up with its own ending when they started running out of manga material or just like bullshit your own ending with like a movie at the end (laughs) your end of inuyasha movie (laughs) 2000s anime was a wild place you don't know kids you don't know you and your seasonal animes I feel like the first season could be very slow. Okay. Um, I don't want it to... I mean, I don't think the anime really had this either, but I don't want it to become Monster of the Week or Demon Child of the Week. Okay. I would like characters to stick around long enough that you care when they are defeated. Yeah. Probably have... Like, Zophis is going to be the big bad through the whole thing. And probably have some of the early rivals stretched out a few episodes longer. Okay. Maybe have one of them be the arc villain for the first 13 episodes and then start the globetrotting factor in the back half of the first season. Cool. Like, even though I'd like to stretch out some of the pacing, I don't think this is a show that would lend itself well to shorter seasons. I think this should be full order 22 episodes. Okay. Hour long or half hour? Um, hmm. It's a good question. Maybe half hour. Maybe half... Mm. Yeah, I think half hour would be good. Okay. I don't know. I'd have to write... A, I feel like I'd have to write out a full script <laughs> on this to see whether it works better as a half hour or a full hour. <laughs> Ain't that fun. It's a 150-episode anime. So if we slice that in half, that's 75 episodes. And we can add in some like filler stuff. Like Again, it wouldn't necessarily be filler, but it would be expanding on some characters that were only around for like a few half-hour episodes in the anime. Okay. We can definitely expand on stuff and make this like four seasons long. Yeah. And of course, see, I don't think in the anime they ever actually saw all 100 of like the first round of Demon Children. So we definitely have wiggle room to introduce original characters. Yeah. Do not steal. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. Who's your Zatch Sona? Okay, so first arc was which arc? First arc is just a g- general dealing with the people who are trying to cause chaos with their Momono partners in Kyo's hometown. Okay. And then partway through that would become a globetrotting thing. See, it makes sense for this to become a globetrotting thing because it'd be weird if most Momono showed up in the same country and then only a few were scattered around the world. Either everyone's pretty equally distributed or everyone's in the same place. Yeah, uh, Sunnydale doesn't have to be the hub for all bad things. 
Yeah, well, I mean, at least Society of Tail had justification because it had the hell mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And this has the, the child mouth. <laughs> the demon mouth. The puppet mouth. It would be kind of... See, all of this, I just keep thinking of the imagery of these puppets. Like, even a very realistic Jim Henson creature shop designed for Juan Ray. He's still a puppet that's going to be in love with a human and vice versa. Yeah. But, you know what? They made it work on, like, Farscape, so... Wait, I don't Did think... they? I never actually watched Farscape, and from what I tell, the major romances were humans in uh, prosthetics. Yeah, yeah. Scratch that, reverse that. I think it was more the interactions between the humans and the Muppets were pretty realistic. Mostly because the actors had something to act against. Also, we can probably uh, like adjust Wan Rei and Lian to proper Chinese names. Yeah. Which uh, is looks like it's meant to be Wang Lei and Li Yen. Okay. But, you know, it's just translation... Translation Wonks. issues and, like, uh, she's supposed to be from Hong Kong, right? So, they... He met Lien at a restaurant in Hong Kong when she was overeating in order to express her anger at her date running away at the mere mention of her father. <sighs> I'm just seeing if there was any point where uh, Wang Lei was mistaken for a human. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like he was mistaken for a human at any point. Maybe Wang Lei is the only person who does get cast as a human being. Okay. I could... We'll throw some prosthetics on there just to make it clear that he's not, but... But, like, it's one of those, like, at a distance, you... Like, in-universe, at a distance, you probably couldn't tell. Yeah. Throw some rubber forehead stuff in there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe just the fact that he would have anime hair in real life <laughs> would, might be the giveaway. Yeah. You look like Albino Axel from Kingdom Hearts. Oh, okay. Fun. I actually get to see anime hair in real life. Yeah. Somehow defying gravity. And you can't bring it down. Nope. Did you look up a picture of Zophus? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, so first off, Monster Clown, but also extremely feminine design and coding and everything. Yeah. And I would rather make Zophus a girl in this adaptation, because then, like, if it's a guy, it turns up these uh, weird concerns about predatory and fiendish... Uh, gender non-conforming yeah. figures. Like, it's not outright as stated, but there's definitely a trope in a lot of anime and children's cartoons in general. It's like, oh, they're sinister and evil because they have feminine aspects, but they're male. Yeah. See, Zophus and also him from Powerpuff Girls. That is true, though. Ham was a really good villain. Yeah, and him him as an icon. Yeah. But you get where I'm saying, where yeah. like this this is a trope that comes up. This the Their gender is indeterminate, and that's what makes them evil. Yeah, um, also my reaction was not helped by, um, when I searched Zophis, the first picture was of it, like, really beat up and crying and having this weird look on its face, and I was just like, ah! Yeah, oh, Zophis has lots of teeth? Yeah, a lot of sharp, Listen, pointy hey, teeth. You don't need teeth on the internet, but you do need them for your puppet. Yeah, well, thank God there's help for that. Hang on, I'm googling puppets with teeth. Hmm, these aren't creepy enough. Let's add in human teeth. There we go. Hang on, let's search for shark teeth puppet. Oh no, this, these are just shark puppets with human teeth. <laughs> Imagine you've got like this evil... Actually, I feel like Zophis would be more like a porcelain doll. You watched Penny Dreadful, right? Yeah. Do you remember the dolls from the end of season two? Uh, I don't know if I got that far. Let's see. Penny. Dreadful. Doll. 
Oh yeah, here here we go. Oh. Oh, you found them? Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of design I want for Zophus. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. Exactly. Now imagine that, but all clown makeup up. Uh, and then she opens her mouth and is full of shark teeth. Tanner, why you gotta give me nightmares? I'm I'm just ruining puppets. I like puppets. Why do you do this? Well, actually, I like specifically Muppets. Marionettes can get kind of creepy. Dark Jim Henson, show me forbidden Muppets. God damn it. And also the uh, Skrexies, right? The, the Skeksis. Skeksis. They're they're creepy. But they're not as creepy because they're like they're realistic, but also you know they're puppets. Yeah. And like they're supposed to look like vultures, so. Like if you saw a Skeksis walking up to you in a dark alley, part of you would freak out, but part of you would also know that it's definitely just a person in a costume. Yeah, there's <laughs> those penny dreadful dolls really fall into the uncanny valley. Well they're supposed to. They're possessed by the devil. <laughs> That's true. That's also why nobody likes ventriloquist dolls. Also, speaking of the devil, I feel like we might have to adjust the term demon child. Yeah, that is true. Maybe change them to just fairy child? Because that's kind of the vibe that they're, they're uh, given and get across. And part of it is because uh, Japanese folklore and mythology, a demon isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's really just the closest word the translators had for it. Yeah, because I think like what the English translators were originally going for with the word demon was more like daemon. From Greek mythology, which is like a spirit. That, yeah, that's a, definitely a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, like that's my theory. On the flip side, it doesn't help that um, in some of the surrounding Asian countries, uh, like even in like going all across the continent, there are more explicit demons in like Indian folklore and Buddhism yeah. where like they're, they're not, they're nothing like Abrahamic demons where they're fallen angels or just agents of darkness or whatever. They're malicious, but they also have the chance at redemption, like specifically in Buddhism. Well, yeah. depending. Yeah, depending. Um, like, uh, one of the things that kind of trips up people when they're studying uh, Eastern religions, particularly Buddhism, is that the biggest, I guess, quote-unquote sin in Buddhism is greed because it's attachment to the material. And a lot of the capital D demons in Buddhist mythology and or Buddhist theology and then Buddhist influence folklore are the people who got attached to the material world for something. They let their greed consume them. They let their anger consume them. And anger is associated with greed. Yeah. It's not like in... Abrahamic faiths have a tendency to focus on pride because that comes from free will. This is your decision. The The issue is with you. Sort of. The, yeah. It, it's complicated and I'm not here to give a, a religious studies lecture because I didn't really focus all that much on, um, on Eastern religions like Tanner did. I did um, popular medieval religion. We did a thing where we kind of turned the Pillsbury Doughboy into the page scenes of Baker's. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Or at least he would leave offerings of bread shaped like the Pillsbury Doughboy to the Saint of Baker's. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to go deep into any kind of mythology aspects yeah, it's in just, this. It's pretty um, a-religious, yeah, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's more like the word demon in 
Japanese does not mean the same thing in English, but the problem is that's kind of our closest approximation of what it is. Yeah. See, like, we can still refer to them as momono. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be a one-to-one translation, and Zatch can say, ah, some people call us fairy children. Yeah. And there is a little bit of, like, a fey aspect going on here, because they're they're weird and puppet-like, and... Yeah. They've got the books, and there's not, like, a contract, but the book is kind of, like, a contract-type thing, and that when it's destroyed, that's when they're sent back to their own world. Yeah, and I think it's more widely known today that fairies, in general folklore, tend to be more ambivalent towards humans Yeah. than, like, helpful or malicious. Exactly. They're sometimes good, they're sometimes bad, they operate on their own morality. Just don't make any deals with them. Yeah. Yeah, they have a tendency of following the letter of your contract, not the spirit. Yeah, I think I've covered everything I can think of for this. Yeah. May not have been as robust as uh, some of my other ones, but I think I got the idea across. Most of the stuff can stay the same. It's just, hey, they're puppets now. Yeah, and I'd like something to do with Jim Henson, so woo! Yeah. It's going to be fun! All right, so on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up. So I'm going to go grab some melons to snack on, and then while I do that, you guys can listen to a friendship promo. Hey, Alex, you love Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Want to listen to a new Harry Potter podcast? No. Oh. But Sorted is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Cool. What does that mean? It means we're going to sort things. Ash Ketchum's a Slytherin. Shrek's a Gryffindor. Your dog is a Hufflepuff. And all Ravenclaws are robots. Come check out Sorted, not a Harry Potter podcast. On the Pocket Podcast Network. So, uh, anyway, secret about Lindsay. Um, I can eat tuna sushi, but I don't like tuna any other way. Huh. Yeah, don't put it into casserole. I won't eat it. Don't. don't uh, I definitely won't eat, like, tuna salad. No. That's just gross. Tuna salad is usually my go-to lunch. You can have it. See, I'm a seafood fanatic, though, so... I like seafood, but I think... I've said this before to you, and I say this to my mom, but, like, she used to leave out cans of tuna for our cat, Ah. and he would just eat it right there in Little Lindsay, equated tuna with cat food. So you're fine with salmon? Yeah. Fascinating. And again, I honestly prefer salmon in sushi as opposed to cooked salmon, probably because I didn't have good cooked salmon anyway. Ah. Yeah. I hope this thing comes to fruition so that we can see a puppet Vora salmon. Yeah. I want to see that deep throat of tuna. <laughs> mm, see, I said, okay, I said Vora because it sounded not as bad as deep throating. This is still a child. Okay. Not deep throat, but, but like... I guess Vor isn't working either. But honestly, he basically unhinged his do- jaws and like was scarfing down that yellowfin tuna like it's a fuck... Like a fucking sneak eating a mouse. He Kirby's it. <laughs> Puppets... Oh, think think of the potential. So what if... What if the characters are interviewed on a talk show and then the, pup can, the puppets can come with them? <laughs> oh, no. Also, tuna can get up to 2,000 pounds in 15 feet. Bruh. Yeah. Bruh. You're going to have to unhinge your jaw twice for that. Yeah. 
you might have to stop to breathe partway through. <laughs> like the ocean just does that. Yeah. Do you remember when Craig Ferguson was on the Late Late Show and he had all the puppets? Yes. Oh, oh, what if what if Craig Ferguson shows up for one episode and then his memorial can be People of Earth, I am Kronos, King of the Monkey People. <laughs> and it is, it's just a monkey in a bellhop uniform like in the show. <laughs> So anyway, um, Zatch's favorite tuna, Yellowfin, is also called Ahi in Hawaiian, and it gets to 400 pounds. It gets really expensive too, doesn't it? Yeah. Gosh, Zatch is going to eat Keo out of house and home. Oh yeah. There's a picture here on Wikipedia, and like two guys need to lift up this Yellowfin. Wow. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and that's my Twitter account, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and you can find me on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced Catch My Heart, Very Melon. And... You can find this very podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first. The hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F, and that's pronounced Mary Me, Mary, Mary Me. You can also email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your Zatch Sona. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you just send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. If you'd like to support us directly, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a weekly shout-out for all our patrons, including Charlie! Thanks, Charlie! Thank you, Charlie. Speaking of Patreon, I just recently put out an extra episode in our feed just detailing all our new patron stuff. We completely revamped it, so if you're interested in supporting us there, but you looked at our patron earlier and weren't into it, just look there again or listen to that episode. See if our changes are something that interests you. And if you're able to spare some stuff, that'd be great. But if you can't, that's also great. Anyways, you can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, as always, our cover art is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found at ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. Lindsay! Tanner! What are you doing next week? I don't know. What are you doing next week? Well, I'm going to be in a podcast listening to you. Oh, me, talking about I was that. wondering if you had a hint. Okay, um... So apparently Toronto is infested with vampires again. Aw, darn. Is it the T-virus? Uh, no. Then no. Is it Resident Evil again? Nah. Have you secretly arranged a second Jake Mason guest spot behind my back? No, unfortunately I didn't have time. It's gonna be something else. Okay. Clearly you haven't seen this one before. Clearly I don't. I do not know about the Toronto vampires. Yeah. Uh, which sports team is that? <laughs> ah, uh, that is their NFL team that they're trying to get off the ground, even though they have a perfectly good CFL team. God damn it, Toronto. See, you'd think that the Toronto Vampires would be playing baseball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, like how, I like how you've done two spooky things, and I'm just like, ah, puppet children. October is my favorite month, because it's spooky month. This is true. 
I honestly prefer Halloween to Christmas, so yeah. Also, I put shark teeth inside a ventriloquist dummy, so I guess I did get spooky here. Yeah. And I mean, there was a a, a puppet that looks kind of like the crow, so... Yeah. Alright, so we'll deal with these vampires uh, next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye!